This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hear a little bit of conversation there as I have a great friend on and guest today. For some of you that may have never heard of him, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting uh, lives in Kansas and has been on here before. We've hunted before. We've got videos together. Great friend, and um, I really appreciate his friendship and, and the knowledge he has. been hunting a lot longer than me, and I do like learning from him. Elliot, thanks for coming on the show today again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I I love it when we get together and talk and and share podcasts. All right, we even did a Fourth of July. You did Fourth of July at my house one time a yeah. couple years ago. Yeah, I did. So, <laughs> I just love it when we get to hang out and talk. You know, like minded people and talking waterfowl hunting and everything else. So I love it. Yeah, I think I didn't fail to mention that we've had great times. You guys had me over, stayed the night, got to hang out with your family, and Aiden was there. That was that was a really good break up of that work trip that I took out there. So <clears throat> might have to do that again this year. Anyways, we got a lot of topics, guys, we want to cover today. And uh, also glad to be back um, recording podcast and we'll stay rolling. So many different crazy things. Um, got a lot of episodes coming out. and But today we want to dive right in to some topics that can be controversial just because people have their own opinions and everything, but I've really been wanting to have you on Elliot to talk about some of these things just to hash things out and then hear from other people. And, and but also, so l let's start with wounded bird loss because that one <clears throat> rings a big bell in my head and gets me, uh, I guess you would say almost emotionally involved in it. Like, because it's such a big thing to me and you've, cleared up a lot of times how 
you'll say, I know I, I'm not perfect and I know I've made mistakes in the past, but the goal is to get better, right? Right. And, and I think I like how you preface that because I would say the same thing. So before we get into this conversation about this, I too, <clears throat> because I've had people comment and say, oh, you're, you're trying to sound humble in a self-righteous way. And I'm thinking, how in the world do you, what are you, t- how do you even do that? Like, I don't know. People understand people differently, but I do want to preface it by saying <clears throat> I've made tons of mistakes and I'm still going to make mistakes. I don't want to. But I am human, and I hope to do my best not to. But there's things that we do as duck hunters that if we take the time to think about it, to pay attention, to try to get better, that we can fix. And one of these things is is wounded bird loss. And I don't know how you want to jump into this, Elliot, but I really want to hear. I think you have numbers that you've put out there. It's right. It's actually mind-blowing. And if you care and you're ethical at all, it will make you think – and it'll make you try to get better. So let's let's just jump right into that. How many birds are lost, are wounded every year that go out and die that they kind of guesstimate? Yeah, well, I know now this study is fairly old. I have not seen any modern studies, but I know there was a study done by Tom Roster, and they came with the conclusion that 25% of the birds that you shoot at fly away wounded. Um, so those are the, that, that's the number that I go with. I don't, you know, it could be more than that. It could be less than that. But what we know is that on every single hunt, birds are, birds are being wounded. I mean, some of those birds, I mean, you, we've all cleaned birds that we see scars where they've been shot, where they've healed. So some of some portion of the birds can reheal, but, but a lot of them don't, a lot of them fly off and, and slowly, wither away and die so uh, i'm always looking for more information more stats on it because i wish that they would do a more of a modern study with modern ballistics but 25 percent of the birds that are shot at fly away wounded and uh, and unrecovered is hmm. the number that i saw hmm. did what wasn't there a number that you had quoted or something i know it was an old study but wasn't there like a number they threw out their birds i mean 25 percent is unreal Right. Yeah, I don't I don't recall what that number is, so I don't want to guesstimate, okay. but it's it's a mind blowing stat. I refer it to it I refer to it as waterfowl's dirty little secret mm-hmm. because I can't think of another sport, another hunting recreational activity where you're wounding that that number, that high percent of birds. If you think deer hunting, pheasant and quail hunting, the sheer opportunity that waterfowlers get to shoot at birds. Mm-hmm provides us with the opportunity to wound a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'd like to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I feel as though by far more waterfowl are wounded and lost than, than any other type of hunting. Oh, yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. <clears throat> um, so how do you think, what do you think we got to do as waterfowlers to fix that? Well, I think from my end, my, my, mine goes back to, and on my podcast, I've been asking people the question of how much value do you place on the individual life of a duck? Because I'm just, I'm curious as to what people's thoughts are. I think the first thing people need to need to do is just think about it. And I've done a lot of thinking about it. Just like you said, I have taken four shots. It's something I've tried to get better at. I continually try to get better because I don't, I feel as though 
an individual life of a duck is valuable enough that I'm going to do everything in my power not to wound it and send it, send it away in a place where it can suffer. I, mm-hmm. I think of like, you know, we all eat cow, we eat steak, we eat hamburger, we eat chicken. When, when you go to euthanize uh, a cow, for example, they, they 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 make the most humane kill possible. I've, I've been to a slaughterhouse. They do these little shot things, and it's like it's an instant death. And everyone would agree that when you're killing a cow, you want as quick and painless a death as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And so they, everyone agrees, well, we don't want any suffrage from that cow. We want it to kill. We want it to die fast and painlessly. And ultimately, that should be our same goal with ducks is for them to die quickly and right. painlessly. Right. So, so for me, it starts by thinking about how much do you actually care about making sure the game that we chase dies quickly and painlessly. And for me, I care quite a bit. I just, I'm soft-hearted. I don't like thinking about wounding. I don't like thinking right. about, you know, when I come up on a, on a duck in the marsh and it's got a broken wing, or it's acting sick, it makes me feel bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I just, it makes me feel, makes Mm -hmm. me feel bad. Mm -hmm. And so I want to do everything I can to make sure it's a quick, painless death. And I think that's where it starts. It starts with these kind of conversations. It starts with people just thinking, thinking about it and thinking about their thoughts on the subject. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, yeah, that's the other thing too is, is, I mean, I've never, being cruel to animals and i think yeah, if you got if you are you got some you probably got something psychological or something bad going on in your life that if you're cruel to animals no matter if it's right. a little sparrow all the way up to a bull elk or something like that <clears throat> but it yeah let's put it this way even if you capture what you shot say if you wound one and you kind of sail it and it goes down and again i know i would say I'm not going to throw a percentage out there, but majority of the time, if that happens, it's maybe because it wasn't close enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe you took it out and shot that bird out of range. But some I've seen guys make a bad shot at 15 yards just because they're shooting behind and clip the wing and the bird still kind of goes off, you know. So it can happen, but it's a lot more rare, right? I but, think so. But let's say if you make a bad shot and the bird hits the water, like so, and he falls right where you shot him, and you either most of the time I would say a lot of us would just shoot it and finish him before we even send the dog or before we go pick it up ourselves. But say if you don't and you pick the bird up and he's still blinking, still alive, um I don't I don't like that, right? I don't even right. like to have to wring the neck or to put a finish in the back of the head or however people do it. There's other ways to do it too, but yeah, it's just like, man, I don't I don't want to do that. I know it happens. Um I know it happens deer hunting people with you know, it can happen with a rifle or a bow, but yeah, that's just not something any, I believe, hunter or even uh, guy that fishes wants to do. You know, I mean, fishing is totally different, but at the same way, going back to what you were saying about the value, because we could probably stay on this for the whole episode, because I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. You were talking, I think you brought, did you bring up fishing, how people, the sensitivity, because like, first off, if you talk about a cow or a, a, a cat or a dog that's hurt, it draws a lot more emotions to it than if right. a fish is flopping around on the deck, right? Right. But it's still a life. It's still a life. So what causes 
that att- emotional attachment to one versus the other. Right. Yeah. And, and I have talked a lot about that of, of like putting, I think it'd be fun to put out. I've thought about doing this when I interview guests. It's like, okay, which, which one would you, do you value the life of more a deer or a duck? And they say deer. Okay. Deer or elk. And it's like, get exactly the point where how much do you value the life of like, no one, no one cares about catching a mouse in a trap, mm-hmm. right? No. Kill it quickly. No big deal. Throw it in the trash. Mm. So we give very, very little value to the life of a mouse as far as our emotional value. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a scale that goes forward. Right, 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 right. And it's just these kind of conversations where you're thinking about, do I care? And for me, it comes down to this. Do I care about the individual life of a duck enough not to kill it myself. No, I don't because I know that I can eat it. It's it's part of life. Mm-hmm. It's how it goes. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt the population. Do I care enough about the life of a duck to not shoot a 75-yard shot? Yes. So there's like a there's like a scale in there is to my actions are going to follow from how I value that bird. How much I value that life. I value the life of a deer enough to not to not pull the trigger. Now I'm not a deer hunter, but if I was I wouldn't take shots at a deer running right? because I value that life enough that I don't want to shoot it in a way it's going to run off and be wounded for days and I'm not going to find mm-hmm. it. So I, it's just a scale to me of how much do you value, how much worth do you think it has and making sure that your actions match up with your emotional feel of that. Cause there's really no right. Ultimately there's no right or wrong. We all agree you shouldn't torture animals, but as far as like, the wounding thing, I think different people feel different things. Mm. And I'm not sure there's really a right or wrong other than we can all agree we don't want to wound birds. We don't want to lose birds. We don't want them just going off and suffering. I think that 99.9% of hunters would agree right, with that. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to the, the wounded bird thing, because just because they don't look like they're hurt or they don't go down doesn't mean they don't go off later and die. Right. Right. And it's what, how far were you shooting them to make contact with them, but not even, not even break their wing? I mean, not that that's even what you want to do. You want, I mean, perfect scenarios, headshot and just fold them like wet. That's the most satisfying, best way to dispatch or shoot a bird. But let's say if you didn't make a great shot and you wing them or something and they still go down and you retrieve the bird, but like how many times? Even if you're not seeing feathers come off, how many public land hunters are hitting birds? Maybe they don't even know they're hitting, and those birds are going off and dying later. It has to be, the numbers have to be astonishing, I would imagine. Right. Yeah, I'll have to look those numbers up again because I have seen them, and they're, they they are astonishing. And everyone's seen, like, the twitch. Like, when you shoot at a duck, oh, and yeah. you don't see feathers, but you see that little body twitch right mm-hmm. when you shoot. That's them taking steel oh, yeah. or whatever whatever mm-hmm. metal you're using. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those birds fly off. And I'm sure there's, like I said, there's a good percentage of those birds that, mm-hmm. that don't die. But every time you see that little body twitch, you know they're eating at least a few. Oh, ha- yeah. 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 And that's, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, can we, let's, can we just put that? I think that's a big part of shot selection, right? Right. Because you had brought something out about, so, <laughs> Actually, I'm going to do a podcast on this by myself, but I'll, I uh, screenshotted my numbers and we'll try not to get ahead of myself and not miss things either. But I screenshot it 
my um, hunt stats for this this season, mm-hmm. I ended up at forty nine point five five four percent on my shooting shoes. percentage. Yes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were counting shots on cripples on the water too. I was, yeah. I I fixed a couple of the hunts that I can remember, but for the most part, I left all the rest of it because I just so you're was, deep into the fifties. So realistically, if um, because I I feel like you shouldn't count if you want a sh- true shooting percentage, you should only count shots on the wing. Um, or if you choose to water swat them, if it goes down, count too. Yeah. right. But after it goes down and wounded and you're cleaning up, then you shouldn't count those. So you're realistically, you were probably in the mid fifties. Mm, yeah, maybe. I, I, I mean, I was kind of thinking maybe low fifties, 52. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because before season I said, I'd be happy if I was, I was like, man, if I'm low forties, I'd be pretty happy. Not because I'm thinking I missed, but I, I think shooting, even 40% and above, I think that's pretty deep. I mean, that's... I agree. I, I think... I will say this. I do think people think they shoot better than that, to be honest with you. Oh, I think absolutely. Absolutely. they think in their minds, oh, I'm definitely, you know, 50%. And I'm like, man, I bet you majority of people... And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn or nothing like that at all. I just think we don't realize um, how many shells you shoot. Because the ni- other nice thing about this... Excuse me. Is I'm tracking how much ammo I shot for the season too, because I'm like, how much am I actually shooting? Am I shooting one case, two cases, three cases? You know, so <clears throat> it's really nice to have this information. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. But uh, I didn't mean to get too far off track. I want to talk about this later about the hunt stats, but I wanted to go back to shot selection. By doing this and by tracking your stats, how many shells you shoot per hunt for the birds, yada, yada, that is going, if anybody has any drive towards comp competitive nature for themselves, because it's not about anybody else. It's about yourself, right? If you have any drive for that, uh, you are going to be a lot more selective on what you shoot. Yeah. How far you shoot. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to limit your shells, the number one way to do it is start keeping track of your shooting percentage. And it's not up for a lot of people because mm-hmm. you do have to be dedicated and diligent to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like a numbers guy. And for me, keeping track of the shooting percentage, it has enhanced my enjoyment 
of waterfowl hunting tremendously. It yeah. It's so fun. It you is. don't have like a six for six day or seven for seven day. You just feel on top yep. of the world. Yeah. And, and that, and that just trims your, all your, all your shot section gets fine tuned and trimmed once you, if you enjoy that type of thing. Yes. And I know guys like me and you, it, that's probably, that isn't probably for everybody because I, yeah, I always right. try to get people around me to do it. I try to, especially, especially the young guys because they're young and they're a lot more easier to influence and be like, hey, keep these stats. And I know a couple of the young guys that go with me and we hunt together and friends with their dad and stuff. Um, they've been doing it. I don't know if they did it faithfully through the whole season because, like you said, it does take commitment and it does take mm-hmm. a dedication. And a lot of times you don't feel like doing it or going back in. But it's so worth it at the end of the season to go back and right. look at those numbers. It, I'm just a numbers guy, so I, I find it really enjoyable. Before <laughs> I, I, saw, I was hovering around – 45 percent lifetime wow um shooting percent mm-hmm. and then when i really got into it i was like you know what i actually started competing against aiden mm-hmm. um and we and i jumped up to the last like two of the last three years i've shot in the 60 percent and it's not it's, but it's not because i'm a great shot it's it's 80 percent shot selection yeah it is it's like i'm to the point where if i'm not gonna get and this ties into the wounded loss for me my rule is I'm not going to take a shot unless I'm mad that I miss the shot. Because if I'm mad that I miss the shot, I know it's a high percentage shot. Mm-hmm. If I fling it out there and I'm not mad that I missed, it's because it wasn't a good shot. Mm. wasn't a good shot selection. Yeah. And so that's kind of my rule for myself. I have to be able to, I have to, has to be so close unless it's wounded. Once a bird's wounded, you pull the trigger until you empty out. Um, but as far as like pulling the trigger on a bird, I want to be mad if I miss it. That's kind of my rule. Mm. That's a that's a great rule. Well, <clears throat> I was talking to Kevin, a friend of mine today, and I said, Kevin, my shooting percentage, I tracked it. He, I don't think he did, but I was saying my shooting percentage was, I wish I would have separated each gauge to right. track that because I said, I know for a fact, I don't know, I, I couldn't show you numbers, but I know for a fact um, my shooting accuracy with my 28 gauge was better than my 12 or my 20. And I'll tell you why it's not because, uh, I shoot better with that gun. I aim better. There's less kick, rest record, blah, blah, blah. It's because I know I have to stay within this certain distance. And I, 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 I will tell you Elliot up and down that I take more time aiming with that guy. I, I know a lot of shotgun shotgunning is like natural, just, how you mount the gun and how you, mm-hmm. you can't think, overthink it. But I do know that every time I pull that gun up to my shoulder, 95% of the time is like, I'm very focused because I don't want to, I know I got to make the shot count because there's a lot less pellets in the, the case. So it's not about, oh, that gun's so much better. It's so good. It's because my shot selection that I'm taking with that gun, you know, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, you're like you're saying. It, that's exactly what it comes down to is all sh- shot selection, and we get lazy with twelve. I I know I do. I get lazy with the twelve gauge when I shouldn't be, because oh, I don't. I'm not thinking this consciously, but maybe subconsciously, I'm thinking, oh, it's a big gun. I'm gonna knock this bird down. You know, like it's not a big deal. Whereas I'm really trying to put it on the mark when i'm shooting a sub gauge you know? yeah and I, I love that mentality of it it just goes back 
to the value of the bird. If you look at like a mallard, a beautiful mallard drake, that's a spectacular creature. Mm -hmm. Everything about it to me is just spectacular. And I want to kill it and I want to eat it. Mm -hmm. But it's beautiful and spectacular. Mm -hmm. So, So while I'm killing it and eating it, I want to make absolutely certain when I pull the trigger, I can clean kill it. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I lose birds. I wound them just because of my error. But that's, that is the kind of importance I personally want to put into the value of that bird. I, 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 it's a serious thing to, to me. It's a serious thing to take a life of an mm-hmm. animal. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a callous thing. It's a serious thing. Right. And so I want to give it the respect to do everything that I can to clean kill it. Yep. And that means passing up some shots mm-hmm. for me. Yep. And you know what, Elliot? <clears throat> Never once have I regretted passing up a shot um, that was questionable ever. Now, I, I know sometimes we've talked about it like, oh, that bird worked in. And we thought, okay, they're going to get another. Like, say if it was at 25 yards. I'm like, one more pass and they're going to just do it in the decoys. And then they never come back. Yeah, you're like, oh, I could have took that shot, whatever. But I'm talking about shots that were just that, it's like, no, nah, that's not the shot I want. Like, And it's not just about passing shot left to right, coming straight at you. It's like maybe they were close and they were kind of decoying, but they were hard right. And if you're a right-handed shooter, you can only twist so far that way. Right. Or you're shooting out of a kayak. You're not going to make a good shot, even though the bird's really close. So you pass right. on it. You'll never regret that shot. But what you're always going to regret, and I thankfully I don't have those as much anymore, but longer ago, I'd always regret, like, I shouldn't have took that shot. Why didn't I do that? You know, like, that was, mm-hmm. that was not, I shouldn't have even shot at that. That's right. where you regret, yeah. you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, one thing about it that I have to continue to remember to consider myself, it's like you and I, so 90% of the, or 10% of the hunters kill 90% of the ducks. That's just how it is. Your average mm-hmm. hunter in, in Kansas hunts about three to five pounds a year kills about five to 10 ducks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those guys to ask those guys or your 16, 17, 18 year olds that just don't have any hunts under the belt mm-hmm. to ask those guys to be as careful about shot selection as guys like us, that we've got so many hunts under our belts. I think is a really, really big ask. If you're mm-hmm. hunting three to five times a year, you're not passing up shots. No, I agree. It's like, you're just not. So really, I think who we're talking to more in this conversation is that 10% that hunts 30, 40, 50, 60 times a year Mm -hmm. um, more than anyone else. Because it is kind of a, it is for us to, 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 for us to ask a guy that only hunts three times a year to just give up opportunities at 45 to, you know, whatever, you know, I think is, is probably not probably not appropriate yeah i and i'm glad you said that and brought that up because you know people we're so um passionate i guess about what we do it kind of comes off as like that's the only way to do it right and sometimes it's good to be on a platform like we are sometimes because we get called out a little bit and then if you're any type of person that tries to self-evaluate You'll look at yourself and like, you know, you're, you're probably right about that. Maybe I need to, it, that being said, there's also another side of it is I'm not into participation trophies and people, that's the common thing now is they want to give a trophy to every little thing out there. I'm not about that. I'm not trying to make it where we're just not standing for what we believe in. But at the same time, I do think when like being on a platform like this, 
I've noticed a lot of really guys that I respect do try to hear out and listen to other people's side of the story. You know what I mean? So you're, right. I'm glad you brought that up because that's so true. That's not even fair to ask. And it's not just about age because there's some 18-year-old hunters that are really good duck hunters that they've been hunting sure. since they were in diapers. Their dad's sure. dragging around them a sled. Because I want to be sensitive to that generation too because I know there's a lot of them that listen to this and they're like, you know what, man? I, I'm picky on my shot selection. I'm only 18. But they've been doing it for a long time and they had really good mentors, you know? So right. it's not even really age because there's 40-year-olds that go out for their first duck hunt and they don't really know because they have had no one to teach them. So that's where I think me and you, yourself and me, like to try to teach people and hopefully yes. we can make a difference and like make people think about that stuff, you know? Yeah. And I would say the challenge for everyone is to think about this topic and talk to your hunting partners and mm. friends about it. Mm. Just bring up the conversation. And talk about it and think about it. Make it part of your mental space. Because I think that sometimes we just get so into the camaraderie of the hunt and stuff yeah. that that we just don't stop thinking about that aspect. So just spend some time at least thinking about mm. wounded loss and shot selection. Yeah. That's for everybody. A, I mean, any, any, the only way we're ever going to grow, each of us individually, is to self-evaluate and think about things and spend some time meditating and thinking about it. You know, and, and be a thinker, you know, like, okay, just because we've been doing it this way for this long, does that mean that's right? You know, mm -hmm. but no, that's, that's um, a <clears throat> really good topic. And another thing I would say about shot selection, I feel like not, maybe not at first, but I do feel like even if you're a newer hunter, you kind of get that subconscious feeling like, I don't think that was the shot I should have taken. I think even sure, though sure. you could be new, there's something in you that kind of knows like, ah, maybe you're not good at the timing of when to stand up or maybe you're like, you're not good at distances yet, but something inside of you after you stand up or right before you pull the trigger, like ah, I shouldn't probably do this, but your reactions to shoot anyways, you know, I think yep. all those things are going on. And, and I love, I love this phrase. It makes me laugh every time I say it, but if you're in a blind and one of your buddies says, what do you think? Should we try it? <laughs> Yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I heard you said that. I'm like, Elliot, you're preaching right now. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, funny. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. Oh, <laughs> it is funny because I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, like, especially yeah. like on guys goose hunting in big groups. Mm. Well, what do you guys want to do? You want to try it? Let, or, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's like, nope, nope, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. You're that answering. means it's 70 at least. <laughs> yeah. You're answering your own question, you know, and, yeah. and then no bird fall. You're like, oh, well. Yeah. Or one does. Yeah. One sails out. Limp off wounded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, man, um, I don't know. Anything else we could cover on part of that wounded bird loss shot selection? The only thing I would say is controlling your third shot is that's that's the best place to start is a group comes in you don't have to shoot three times. Like sometimes you'll see on poster boards, like rules for hunting clubs and never mm -hmm. always empty your gun. You know, you don't have to shoot three times. If your third shot's at 65, 70 and there's no wounded birds, just don't, don't do it. Mm -hmm. don't. Limit your third shell is the best way to save money and decrease wounded loss. I'd say that's the best way to do it. Yep. hundred percent agree with you on that. Yeah. And, um, I know guys that will just go out with a over and under, <clears throat> Mm -hmm. um, because I hunted with an over under for quite a while 
And I remember my buddies next to me, not that I was shooting less, but I was because I only had two shells. And they would always be running out before I did. And it wasn't because I was wouldn't have shot that third shelf. I didn't have it. But it was kind of nice to, after a while, I'm like, you know what? When do How often do we ever knock it down after that third shelf? So why even do that? You know, yeah. Especially on a really windy day, Elliot. You know what I mean? If those bird, once those birds open their wings, really one shot is about all you can get. And after that, when they open their wings and catch that wind, they're gone so fast. I mean, you yeah, know, those days are rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a good point. I definitely, if you can force yourself to do it, and like you said, unless they're crippled, you know, you need to let them have it. But or they're still in range. I mean, sometimes yeah. if you if you really finish them. You can get third shots still within thirty yards. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just think about that third shot. If the third shot isn't what you take on the first shot and it's not wounded, there's no point in pulling the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <clears throat> okay, so we're in the middle of the kind of in the middle of this episode now. Um guys, Elliot has his own tell us about your podcast, Elliot. You got a fairly new podcast and I I'm sure well, it's doing got, well. 10 episodes out now it's the north american waterfowler podcast so i started oh right about the beginning of the year and i'm putting out uh episode a week and i'm just enjoying it i'm having a great time great guests and and you're going to be on it and um, we're kind of trading off which is going to be great so i'm just i'm loving it i'm loving everything about it i'm motivated to do it and i'm just i'm just having the time of my life with it honestly yeah, and I love your artwork and what you got going on there and your your logo. It's it just looks really good and I know it's going to do really well. And guys, there's I pretty much listen to every episode. I don't have I haven't listened to the um the ones that are on uh what you have a other another opportunity there for some extra content. What's uh Right. So I've got a Patreon account. It's patreon.com/freelancestuckhunting and I put some of the episodes over there. Um so you have to be a patron to him. A lot of times I'll do like an hour, hour and a half with the guest, and I'll do an extra bonus half hour that'll go oh, that'll nice. go over there. Or sometimes if there's just some sensitive, sensitive stuff I want to talk about, but I don't for the, like for example, I just interviewed Jake from Chasing Green, and he's an Arkansas duck hunter who's been spending a ton of time. He he hunts most of the time in Kansas, and he's actually thinking about moving up here. So I wanted to ask him, it's like, what is so great about Kansas that's drawing you out of Arkansas? Well, that's not something I really want the public <laughs> as a Kansas center. Yeah. I don't really want to push that to the public. So I'll slip that in onto Patreon, you know, stuff like stuff like that. Right. Just so is it that whole free. episode that's on there or there's some of it public? I know that we did a whole hour and a half and we went, we did a deep dive into um, hunting in big groups mm-hmm. and why, why? Cause Jake loves doing that. He loves hunting six, seven, eight guys. And I just don't understand it. So we did a whole deep dive on that and, um, I, I'm learning that in Arkansas, Louisiana, duck hunting is so deep into the culture. It affects social status. They get off a lot of times from school on the first day. Of, it's like it's culturally relevant in mm. some of those towns. Mm-hmm. And that's in, in Kansas. It's that's fo- totally foreign to me that duck hunting could be like pop culture. Mm. But in in Arkansas, a place like that, it is. And so we, we talked a lot about Southern culture, waterfowl hunting and then the whole big group thing, he helped me try to understand what, because he and Aiden, they had four guys and they found a bunch of birds and their plan was to go out and recruit a bunch more guys. And that just blew my mind because that, that's, that concept is so foreign to me. Yeah. But I know Jake is a great guy. I know Aiden. So I really, we spent a good half an hour just discussing why he would 
what's beneficial to him. What's he getting from that? Oh. Um, which is kind of tied into the Southern culture as well a little bit. But it was a really interesting podcast. So, but I'm saying that whole episode is not on the open platform. It's in the Patreon. It is. It is on oh, it the is. open platform. Only the part about Kansas versus Arkansas is oh. on Patreon. Oh, oh it just, okay. just came out today. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Today. Cool. Okay. That's, I like how you're doing that too. That's kind of a good way to get a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be so maybe politically correct. <laughs> right. You can be speak a little more freely. Yeah. We've got to be a little more, a little careful and cognizant too. Yeah. You know, you can, but when it's like, you know, like I do a live a video live feed there too, that you can watch. And maybe there's like seven, eight people watching at the time or 10. And mm. so you can just feel a little freer around 10 than to where you're pushing out to ever. Not that we're yeah. being phony. It's just, you got to be careful what you say, yeah. no, you, do. you know, cause sometimes with as many words as we say, it's easy to just say something stupid without thinking about it. Elliot, is that not the truth? Yes, I, it is. I, it's scary. You, I pause a lot in my podcast. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> I try to think about, because like you said, I'm, I'm me and I'm, I'm not trying to change that. But yeah, it is easy to stupid. And I'm wondering, like, I wonder how many times, maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm thinking too highly of myself, but I know on some forums from people sent me because I don't get on those at all. I just, and I told them, don't send me that. I don't want to see it. I don't care what those guys say, but I've had people send me little screenshots of forums of what people were saying about me on episodes. I'm like, okay, so I guess haters listen, take the time to listen to podcasts too. But, um, I'm like, man, I gotta, you know, like they'll take what a part of what you said, just like politics and not mm -hmm. tell the rest of what you said, which totally explains right. why you said what you said. But so really it is a lose-lose in some ways if someone's really trying to get you. But yeah, either way, you still got to be careful. You know, just well, ultimately what we do, we want people to feel emotion one way or another. Mm -hmm. I don't say things that make people mad on purpose, but we don't want people to be bored. When you have content right. and you're putting it out publicly, you want people to love it or people to be not necessarily offended by it, but you want them to have emotion from it. Exactly. Because a lot of times if you don't like something, you go back to it and listen to it more than if you do even. Mm -hmm. So it's a good place to be. If you're not getting negative criticism at all, then you're not doing something right. Yep. And the other thing is too, is the, I've got the most feedback from the episodes that I can just was truly my, just I'm pretty much myself all the time. I don't try to hide anything, but like the ones that I was very emotional about and mm -hmm. passionate about, those were the best feedback. Man, I love that episode or, you know, whatever. So yeah, yeah if you right. did, it's definitely what you want to, the route you want to go. But yeah, guys, check out Elliot's podcast, The North American Waterfowler. And I believe it's on every platform, right, Elliot? Right. That's right. Cool. Yeah. So go check it out, guys. A lot of great. Man, if you want to be a better duck hunter, if you want some knowledge from someone that's been doing it a long time, definitely go check that out. Um, okay, let's jump into hunt stats. Um, what's going on with that? I, I'm really, we've not pre-talked about this, so I really don't know, but I'd like to hear what's going on, what's your plans, new right. features, whatever. Let's, I want to well, hear. Well, this has been a, the, my baby for years. So I started out on Excel spreadsheet. For Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In, in Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. And I love Excel spreadsheets and I had the master of all Excel spreadsheets where 
I had data flying everywhere. Mm. Um, and my, but it was just my dad and I that were keeping track of all our hunting data. So how many times you hunt, how many birds you harvest, shooting percentage, weather, you know, everything. <clears throat> and I remember telling my dad, it'd be so cool if I could have this turned into a website. And this is before I started the YouTube channel. And anything. I just like, I thought, because I still had to tinker with it and spreadsheets are clunky and messy. And so this was kind of a dream of mine just to have it turned into like you enter the data and then it kicks out everything you want to see about, about your waterfowl hunting experience. Yeah. And eventually I, ha- I had it made into a website and then an app, but it was still just kind of very amateurish. Mm-hmm. And so I'm to the point now where I'm wanting to invest a little more money into it, get it looking more professional, upgrade some of the features. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've got a ton of, ton of stuff going right now. We just finished. I, I um, had a professional designer redesign the look and that's kind of where you're seeing some of the mm-hmm. logo and stuff on the podcast. Cause I'm, I've got some professional logos I'm porting over and using for, I'm trying to brand them both together, basically mm-hmm. the podcast, the app. Um, so, so right now it's freelance hunt staff. Oh, We're nice. changing the name of it to the North American waterfowler. Uh, it'll be North American waterfowler.com or on the app store. It'll just be the North American waterfowler. So we're changing the name, completely updating the graphics. Um, I'm trying really, really hard to get to where you can add a picture. That's I put out a survey of what people want. And by far, what people want to be able to do is add a picture to their hunt. So you log your hunt for the day, and then you can, you'll be able to attach a picture to it. And hopefully it'll be a little thumbnail. So when you pull that up to remember it in the past, you've got a picture there. Mm. It's a lot. Oh, yeah. and that, that's why I... That's why I started keeping all this stuff. I, I love waterfowling enough. Like I want to be able to look back back 10 years and remember hunts. Mm-hmm. I want remember who was I with? What did I do? What was the weather like? And if you attach a picture to it, now you're jogging all of this memory into your brain. Oh, yeah, that was yep. the day I was with Titus. We went on that lake. You know, we shot that little Buffy, right? And so that's we're making that upgrade. Um, we're going to upgrade some leaderboard stuff. Like right now, we've got a leaderboard system where every type of species of duck has a different point value. A mallard drake is five, a pintail six, a canvasback seven, teal is three. And but it's just a universal one. So what I would like to do is change it so you can sort it by flyways. So you'll have um where do I stand who shot the most mallards in the Pacific flyway or the central flyway. And, and I want to go beyond that to like state who shot the most mallards in the state of California. Who shot? So I'm trying to hone down that experience. And also I want to bring it over to crews. Cause I know you and your friends actually do this on the side. You can create a crew right now. Like all the flyways collectives, we guys, we have a crew and I can go in and look and see how many birds is tied to shot. One thing I can't see is, location data location data is completely hidden you can never no one else can ever see your location data but i can see how many birds Titus has shot i can see everything about his data because he has accepted my invite to a crew i'm going to bring the leaderboards over to that crew as well so now mm. you can just compete with your compete with your friends uh, apart from the, the way it is now oh, so those wow. are the, kind of the big i i hope i don't know i'm just kind of i might be biting off more against you i'm going to get as much of this done as i can depending on budget but also mm. um a big ask has been dog retreats yes um, so yes. that's on the radar as well yes that would be on that would definitely be that was one of my things <clears throat> that i was requesting for sure yeah that'd be great so so you'd be able to enter your own dog like you create your dog's name mm-hmm. and then on the hunt you just pick which dog it is mm-hmm. so over the years as your dog passes you still have all the data for that dog and you can go back and sort and say how many 
um, gosh, I'm blanking on the, your dog's name. Rocky. Yeah. Rocky. And when, when Rocky's passed on 10 years, you can still go back and look at all Rocky's hunts. Mm-hmm. How many birds is Rocky? Because he'll always be in the system for you because mm. you inputted the name. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because I track those myself right now anyways. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that'd be nice just to have on there where I could put it there instead of just in my phone or something. Right. But, so right. when you were talking about the specific flyways like the Pacific, you know, and so on and so forth, you could still will there still be a filter where you can see it for the whole Yes. Everybody too as well, just like it is yep. now. So you'll have the whole US, you'll have Canada, you'll have by state, you'll have by flyway, and then you'll have you have the option of, of doing it by crew. Okay. And you can see total bird numbers, pintails, mallards, teal, wood ducks, Canada geese. Um, and you have it, um, points by per hunt, total points. And it's pretty fun right now, but the problem with leaderboards now is unless you're like hunting 60, 70 times a year, you're not going to be in the top 10. Mm -hmm. It's just too exclusionary. But once you can bring it down to crews and States and stuff, then I think people will have, um, people that like that kind of thing will have more enjoyment of seeing them themselves rise up and down the different leader. If if that's something you find Mm -hmm. entertaining. Right, 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 yeah. It looks like you got, when I was looking today, I, I hadn't put in um, my vet hunt birds from uh, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, that gave me a really good boost um, to get up there, but that's it now. Well, I guess there's late goose, so we'll see what we got going. I got, I've got some hunts lined up for that. But, yeah, there was a lot more guys that were in the system now, it seems like, huh? It was like, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, not we, that they're really tracking. I could tell they don't really put much in there but there's more names right yeah even down to like some guys that just have one entry yeah a year. yeah we 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 picked up a, a decent number this year we're gonna and right now if you want to check it out um on a- ios and android it's hunt stats or the website is freelancehuntstats.com they're connected so if you log in on the website it goes to the app and vice versa it's all connected but but that's how you can find it right now but um yeah we we picked up some good number of users this year guys it's so easy honestly it don't take let me think i'm gonna be legitimately fair here it does not take over two minutes and i think i'm exaggerating i mean once you start using enough i feel like it takes me 45 seconds to a minute to put in what i want to put in unless i'm putting a bunch of notes and saying something about what happened i mean it's just quick it's simple it's a little app on their phone that i got on my iphone and it's it's so nice so, you know, if you like numbers and you like tracking that stuff, even if you don't, I think if you forced yourself to do it, eventually you would like doing it. And I do believe you'll be thankful for the data that you have over the years. You get five, ten years down the road, you're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. You know, because well, and you can study your own. You know, I've got a one place I was studying within the last couple of months because uh, I've got over 10 years of data in there. Because you can go backlog all your old data. Um, if you, if you have it, you can always go put it in. Mm. And I was just studying a place and it's like, okay, so I'm not always successful in here. What's the key. So I'm sorting it by South winds. How do I do it? This place when the wind is South. Mm. How, and yep. I found that the Southwest wind days is when I'm by far the most effective in this one hole. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's observational data where you just like think it, but you can put it to the numbers and really see over time <clears throat> what type of weather conditions create the best hunting in yep. particular places that you hunt yep and to me that's the biggest reason why i do it after one year or two years you're not gonna have 
that much to make that decision. Also, time of year too, Elliot. You know, like when do I go here? And oh man, I've been doing it for seven years now. And I look back at my deals and I put the time range in on the filter, and I'm like, my goodness, when I hunted here the first week of December, the last twelve hunts versus when I hunted a week before, a week after for the last the other ten hunts, way better to go because I believe. The longer I've hunted, I start thinking there's definitely historical dates. I think that are just a good right. time frame to be at certain places. Mm-hmm. And I and that's For like sure. to me that's the more important thing. That the challenge and the competition's cool and everything, but like the up the more important thing to me is like the data that I get on like types of wind directions and where at and times of year. For sure, I agree 100. Yeah, the leaderboard stuff is just fun little cherry on top it's it's really that's not where i spend my time when i'm on there mm-hmm. i spend my time looking at my data you can actually look at the global data too of um kind of what the cumulative numbers are by state by and that stuff so there's just so much searching you can do on there i actually was contacted by someone doing a study for one of their college courses and they used the whole site for some paper they were writing oh wow just because there's just lots of lots of filters and, and data you can pull from it Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So how was your season this year? A little bit down, but not horrible. I came on strong. I had some really nice hunts, really fun hunts uh, in December and in early January when it got really cold. But, you know, we're in this drought and we're in this kind of drought. Um, some of my more places that I really love to hunt are just not there. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. So my numbers weren't horrible, but they were down. But overall, I'd say my, this is another thing I'm going to add to the stats um, sometime soon is I want to give a rating of enjoyment. Like at the end of the hunt, one to five, one being the worst enjoyment, five being the best. Cause sometimes you can go out and shoot three or four birds. You're like, well, that wasn't very much fun. Or you can shoot three or four birds, you're like, oh my gosh, that was just picturesque and everything was so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my enjoyment level on the hunts was down this year. Mm-hmm. Like I did okay, but the hunts just were kind of struggles. I wasn't really quite finishing them properly as much. And so it's like my satisfaction level seemed to be down. But mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad year. <clears throat> and I'm sure that wasn't that had nothing to do with just oh a limits or how many birds you shot. What what do you right. think was your biggest factor in that, Elliot? Like making just it fewer birds. I was fewer into birds. fewer. I just kept just missing. Period. It. Yeah, I just kept missing. Like I would go on trips, and my buddies would be shooting birds, and I'd get there, and it's like, man, you should have been here a couple days. And I still shoot like three, three or four birds on the hunt, but it's just like one of those struggle hunts where things just aren't right, and and it was just more of, you know, scratching out and having to work for every bird. Um, I think, I don't know. I think that was more like that. Yeah. 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 I, I personally, it's funny because every year it's different, right? Like, I don't know when it was, but I remember year two, three years ago, you'd tell me how you had a really awesome season and mine was down, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just funny how the different flyways or even just the timing, like you said, it's a lot of it's timing too. Right. Like I just couldn't make it that weekend. That was the hot one. I was like a year or two ago. I felt like no matter where I went, the other place was always hot. <laughs> right, right. And all right. my friends would be, oh, it's smoking hot in the grasslands. I'm up north. Or then I'd be in the grasslands. There's someone be up north. I'm like, man, I just can't hit it right. So yeah. sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be, uh, what's that? How's that saying go? It's better to be lucky than to be 
something. Someone just told me yeah. that the other day. I go, ah, that is pretty true. I said, you still <laughs> got to do have, you still have to have knowledge and you still got to put the work in the effort, but luck definitely sure is nice sometimes. Right. Well, someone, I, I can't, I'm going to butcher this phrase while we're butchering phrases, but it's something like <laughs> luck is putting yourself in the right place. Um, it's some like definition of the word luck. It, mm. It's like when preparation and something meets is luck. It's like yeah. you do everything you need to do. You put yourself in the right preparation position. opportunity. Right. There you go. Yeah. There yeah. You go. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's what it is. It is what it is. But anyways, well, uh, that's about uh, our timeline right there. I appreciate you coming on and, um, looking forward to being on yours as well. And guys, like I said, check out Elliot's YouTube channel, uh, freelance duck hunting, great hunts out there and just great people and good friends of mine. Um, check them out. If you haven't already heard of them before, which I'm sure a lot of you have check out freelance hunt stats now, and it'll be changing. When, when is that kind of going to, is there going to be like an email go out Elliot or like, yeah, I, just I'll switch? Put out some, but I, I think I'm going to try to keep the old um, address active. So if I can, I'm going to keep it to where if you put in freelance hunt stats, it still gets you there but the name will it'll actually change. I, I'm, I'm hoping that'll change within three or four weeks. Oh, wow. So you already That's have the, the, you already have the, um, oh, what do they call that? The, oh, what's that name? Like the say, domain, the domain, you already own the domain. I've got, that? I've got the North American waterfowler.com. Okay. I've got that domain. I've got the design work done. I actually have a meeting here in two hours with a developer to implement the design. So as soon as that gets done, then it's going to go live. So I'm, I'm, it could be within two weeks oh, wow. that all the new changes are up and everything. Okay. Um, okay. As far as the design look of it and the, the name change, it could be within two weeks. Okay, cool. Right on. Well, I'm glad you came on. I appreciate your time. Look forward to yep. talking to you on yours and um, hope you have a good, uh, I know you're looking forward to summer. <laughs> it's coming up. Oh, I sure am. 72 something, 72 days off straight is what I get. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. And I always love being on your podcast and, and, and it's just never boring talking, having conversations yeah. with you. Yeah. I, I always feel like we don't, I don't know. Sometimes 50 minutes don't seem like enough, but I guess it leaves you wanting more. So we'll have you on again soon right. and, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. And we're going to, when I have you on mine, we're going to deep dive um, you getting the boat and how that's impacted your hunting life. I'm really, I've already got the outline and I'm really excited to really just go deep on, cause your hunting to me, as far as my eye has completely changed since you bought that boat. And since oh, yeah. you started traveling more into, I think Washington, Idaho, Northern California, to me from the outsider, it looks like your hunting life has taken a huge transition in oh, the last few years. It has huge. <laughs> we're going to deep dive that on. Yeah, guys, I'm I'm actually glad you brought that up just to kind of let people know what we're going to be talking about. So, and I'll definitely mm -hmm. be sharing that on everything, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I'll talk about here to let you guys know when that's live. But if you go and follow his podcast and you listen to his episodes, you'll, you'll see it for yourself. So I highly suggest you go do that and be part of that. So looking forward to that conversation. Yeah, me too. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening on this episode, and we'll see you guys on the next one.